if you're speaking to the sports fan listens to our show, those are the people that are going to the They're, games, that do care. It's embarrassing. Who would you replace and them with? That's over my pay grade. Well, okay. so is firing them, but you didn't no, have no, any hesitation with that. Steve carries himself with a lot of dignity, truth. Thank you for everything. He doesn't take days off. He's one of those guys that he's out there every game. There's a new type of broom out. It's sweeping the nation. <laughs> are you Googling this? Protect our radio talent. You two are ridiculous. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. No Pauly Sebelia today. We're getting the band back together. Stephen Fonte, Sal Manin with you up until 2 o'clock on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We do have a couple of guests lined up for you on the show today. We're going to talk some hockey as we get you set for Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight between the Lightning and Canadiens. Joe Micheletti, former defenseman in the World Hockey Association and in the NHL, he'll join us at 12.30 to preview tonight's Game 2. And then coming up at 1.30, our good friend Rick Beardsley will be on. He's, he's not on to talk lacrosse today, though. We're going to have Rick on with his wife, Tori DeSilvia, uh, who has uh, been inducted into the Greater Syracuse Sports Hall of Fame. At least she learned uh, earlier this week that she would be inducted into the Greater Syracuse Sports Hall of Fame, uh, part of that 2021 induction class that includes Paul Pasqualoni. Uh, so Tori and Rick will join us together uh, at 1.30. Plus your phone calls welcome at any time, 315-437-7644. Good to see you, my friend. How are you today, Sal? I just said to you, I forget how early this show is every time I do it. It's barely 11 o'clock down here. I mean, you actually, you, you logged on earlier than I thought. I thought we were going to hear from you. You said to me last night that I will be that's on. Only because, that's yeah. only because Jordan called. And All was right. like, I have to run the board in Polly's absence. I don't know what I'm doing. I need you to get on earlier. All right. So that makes sense because yesterday you said, I will be on by the time the, the open to the show plays. So I was expecting to hear from you at like 1201. Um, but you were on at 1155. We actually had a chance to chit chat. See how much nicer this is to start the show when we have a chance to actually speak to each other before we start. It, oh, it only took yeah. us working in, you know, two different locations for that to happen. So. Uh, I mean, be honest, be honest. I don't care what the New York State Broadcasters Association or any other outlet says. This is the best Orange Nation, right? It it, it felt good for you to say Steve and Sal on Orange it, Nation. It, right? uh, it, I tell you what, so I started working with Seth after you left, and obviously his name begins with an S, as does yours. It took me... I'm talking like six, seven months to to stop saying Steve and Sal in my head. Like it, it definitely took a while for me to eliminate you from my vernacular. But uh, yeah, no, this this feels good. This feels right. Uh, it feels like old times picking up right where we left off. A um, lot to get to on the show today, Sal. And you know, I I think we we have to start with with what happened yesterday. Um, it was a pretty intense show yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to listen, but obviously the Athletic uh, releasing a story earlier yesterday morning about Coach Q and the SU women's basketball program. We had Chandra Jennings from the Athletic. She wrote the article along with Dana O'Neill. She was on our show yesterday uh, discussing what was said. She interviewed nine former players, 19 former team managers slash staff members, um, and a lot of accusations came out about Coach Q and you know being a tough coach and um, you know, using threats and 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 bullying tactics, uh, so to speak. Uh, there were three players who who said he he made them feel uncomfortable kissing them on the forehead after a meeting about playing time. There was another player 
who said she was uh, uncomfortable when he came from behind her and and you know kind of grabbed her um, and you know kind of wrapped his arms around her. Um, a lot came out yesterday. This topic, this story, it's not going away anytime soon. You know, Syracuse University has said that they're going to use an outside firm, conduct an independent review of the situation, look into these allegations because they're obviously serious. I would assume that this review is going to take some time. I mean, you know, Chandra Jennings and and uh, Dana O'Neill, they spent the better part of two months on this story interviewing upwards of 30 people. So I, I would imagine this is going to take a little bit of time. Um, but I, I just wanted to get your impressions. I'm, I'm sure you've had a chance to read some stuff and, and hear some stuff. And, um, you know, players have been going on social media talking about what, what was your reaction when you saw this story, you know, released yesterday regarding Coach Q and the program? I mean, uh, every adjective you can throw out there, shock, anger, confusion, tons of questions that you still have, you know, what did the president know and when did he know it, that type of thing. Obviously, you and I have gotten to know Coach Q a little bit over the years and have interviewed him and, you know, you'll run into him sometimes out in public and what you see him accused of in print, obviously, doesn't jive with the Coach Q that a lot of us have gotten to know and to see and experience. But that's obviously a lot different than what goes on every day in practice and in meetings and on campus. And so when you see it staring you right there in the face, there's a lot of it that you go, huh, that's that's not something that I can get behind. And especially as an alum, it makes you angry to think that there were this many athletes and this many young women who felt so uncomfortable with their experience at Syracuse. And so that's one of the many questions with, well, why wasn't something being, uh, before you even get into, well, why did so many players leave? Is it a matter of sour grapes over playing time or what your role is or whatever the case may be? Just the simple fact that there seems to be this number of individuals who felt uncomfortable with their experience, you wonder what's happening within the athletic department that there was not a better avenue that they could address some of the concerns that some of these kids have. Then at the same time, as I, you know, I listened to you and Paulie's interview with Chantel, and then uh, Brent had Dana O'Neill on later. I listened to both of those, and some of the things that you hear about and you see in the article, you go, well, what's the line between being too hard, coaching too hard, and, you know, this is grown woman, Division One college basketball that, you know, yes, coaches yell and they raise their voice and sometimes they use colorful language, but then some of the other things about inappropriate touching, there's just so many questions that you have that I don't think you, I, or most fans are ever going to truly have the answer to. So I'm glad that SU is, even if it is a little too late, at least getting some type of outside impartial third party to come in and look at what did or did not happen. And you hope that all the players that and managers and various people who were interviewed for the athletic article, you hope that they'll at least talk to somebody so you can figure out just what did or did not go down. So I don't know that I'm really, you know, breaking the mold or saying anything that you guys haven't discussed over the last 24 hours on a variety of shows there at ESPN radio, but it's still just 
a very weird, awkward, confusing situation that, like you just said, it's probably going to be a while before we get the full resolution. Yeah, there are a lot of questions. And, and one of the questions I asked, you know, Chantel Jennings was, you know, why did you, uh, you and Dana O'Neill decide you want to delve deeper into this topic? And, you know, she said, first and foremost, we wanted to know why. You know, the question was being asked, why did essentially the entire team leave? Why did 11 players leave the program? And they wanted to delve deeper into that, and and this is this is what they uncovered. This is what they came across, and and she pointed out that just because the players are unnamed in the article with their comments, she wanted to make it clear that it doesn't mean that it's not true, um, and that is a valid point. And so now it's going to be up to uh, you know this outside firm to do an independent review to determine what is true. Um, and and what is not, and uh, we'll see how things move along. So I just want our listeners to know that we're open to talking about it. If you want to give us a call at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four, a lot of questions remain. I'm not sure we're going to get those questions answered anytime soon, um, but we can we can certainly discuss. Um, but I, I thought we I felt like we had to at least start the show with it, Sal, and we can move on. There's plenty of other things we can get into and will get mm-hmm. into. Um, but it is obviously a a serious topic and so you know when we break away from it it's not like we've forgotten about it we're not ignoring it we're not trying to dodge it um we just we, there are a lot of questions right now and again if you'd like to check in feel free to give us a call um but uh but we do need to move on and, and we'll move on to other things and one of those other things sal is this topic of name image and likeness in college athletics a, a topic that um has been around for quite some time that it finally Looks like it's it's going to come to be. Uh, the NCAA's uh, Division One Board of Directors is scheduled to meet today, at which time they are expected to temporarily suspend uh, amateurism rules, which would allow players beginning tomorrow uh, to to begin to uh, benefit off their name, image, and likeness. There are ten states that already have laws in place. There are five more that are expected to have laws in place regarding name, image, and likeness by September first. Uh, a state like New York that does not have a law in place, athletes, again, tomorrow can begin benefiting off their name, image, and likeness. And in the states where there are laws, uh, the you know the laws of the state will govern, and it's up to the different states and Texas is one of those and, and the different uh, the different colleges. So since you are down in Texas, why don't you kind of bring us up to date with what is going on down there? I know that you cover the University of Houston rather closely. What can you tell us about uh, the situation in Texas and the situation with the University of Houston? I mean, not unlike a lot of the schools, the schools down here embracing name image likeness uh the university of houston has started what is essentially a a business program it's a special program just for student athletes that is going to help them navigate the world of name image likeness and how do you maximize your earning potential your marketability at the same time how do you just deal with signing contracts and dealing with legal documents which for a lot of athletes is likely going to be the first time i mean don't forget that before anybody becomes buddy Beheim superstar or johnny flynn you know with the big smile and making highlights on your television or go on down the list of any of the your favorite su basketball player or football player whatever the case may be all these kids come in at 17, 18, 19 years old. And so how many of us, when we are that age, have ever had to sign anything legal or any type of contract before in our lives? You know, the the most, I guess, 
in-depth we've probably gotten with the legal system and you know having to sign stuff is maybe like applying for your driver's license when you're 16 or something and now here's people coming in and saying here's a contract and we're going to give you money and with that obviously comes strings and responsibilities so you know i know that the university of houston isn't alone in that regard that there's going to be formal programs in place to help athletes not only figure out and understand all that stuff. Uh, the University of Houston's doing it through their business school, but then there's the other side of, well, now that this is formally a business, even though you can say that's what big time college athletics has always been, now you got to, as a businessman or woman, you got to figure out, well, how do I make the most of this? You know. Not everybody is going to come in as a Carmelo Anthony five-star recruit who everybody in the country knows you before you've even stepped foot on Jim Beheim court for the first time. So how do you come in and figure out the best way to take advantage of your name image likeness for your benefit in some regard? So again, I, as you mentioned, it starts July 1 for a handful of states that already have laws on the books and texas is one of those laws so you know we'll start to see up close just what that looks like in the next few days and i i really wonder sal how this will affect the recruiting process because i think it's you know i think we all agree that the, the student athletes in college need more they need to be able to share and, and get their piece of the pie it's a you know multi-billion dollar industry they they need their piece of the pie and should be given their piece of the pie and if you know college basketball for instance doesn't want to keep losing players to the developmental leagues uh, like Dior Johnson offered 1.2 million dollars to go play down in Australia for a year you know how do you sweeten the pot this is one of the ways to sweeten the pot so I do think it's it's past due and it's and it's past time to make this happen. However, I do kind of wonder aloud how this is going to look from a recruiting standpoint. You know, I know that you're removed down there in Texas, but you know Syracuse is, is uh, you know going hard after several highly touted recruits from a basketball perspective like they always do. They've already landed two of them. Um, you know, they may land up to five. How does that look moving forward? You know, is, does part of the recruiting process become – uh, you know, here's the Mellow Center. We we visit the Dome. Oh, you're interested in becoming a communications major? We'll take you through Newhouse. And oh, you know, we'll swing by the local car dealership and and introduce you to. <laughs> right? I mean, I right? Driver's you you village. well, you you laugh, but is is that going to become part of the <clears throat> recruiting process? To, to introduce oh, you to, right, and then, you know, what what can you do for me in terms of my sponsorships, my endorsements? You know, do you have some of those things on the table? I would imagine that you would before you committed to a place like Syracuse or Duke or Michigan, wanting to make sure that you're going to be taken care of, quote-unquote, from a financial standpoint. So I, I am curious, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you think it looks like, but it seems obvious to me that that is going to be, become part of the recruiting process. I think it's going to go, be without question, not just in central New York, but in all the big college towns, you're going to, there's going to be like a set route that they're going to have. Somebody is going to have to figure out what do we drive these recruits by, even if it's, you know, somewhat surreptitiously that just, oh yeah, we're going to take you to get a bite to eat before we go look at the dorm rooms, but where are we going to drive them by that we just happen to see a giant billboard that has <laughs> Kahia's face on it, you know, holding up a, a Drex sub saying, you know, come eat at Drex. 
You know, I just think about the first time you exit the thruway, you got to get on 81 and then you make that turn onto 481 heading towards campus. And I just can see that there's going to be a few extra billboards, I think, in the next few years that they're going to make sure to put up, you know, Bill Rap Superstore, and there's going to be a picture of Betty Williams right there front and center so that all yeah. the recruits can see like, all right, that can be me next year. That can be me in a few years. So I think it's going to be part of the recruiting pitch. I think it's actually going to play not just, and I, I realize I'm not the first one to say this, but it's not going to just be, oh, well, Syracuse is, quote, a basketball school. So whoever the best one or two players on the men's basketball team, they're going to get all kinds of contracts and endorsement opportunities and get paid to show up and sign autographs and take pictures and all that. I just think about, you know, I'm obviously a big lacrosse guy. Like that is such a tight knit community yeah. and everybody kind of knows everyone or is at least aware of what's going on all across the spectrum of lacrosse that <clears throat> If you are a premier lacrosse player, yeah, maybe, you know, Drivers Village is not signing you up to the same type of deal they're going to give the men's basketball players, but STX and Warrior and Maverick and all the different lacrosse stores and companies, they're going to come after whoever's wearing 22. They're going to come after whoever the best player on Kayla Trainer's team is and they're going to say we want to put you on a poster and we want to pay you to walk around wearing an STX shirt or holding a warrior. And now's where you get into some of the different things about, you know, well, Syracuse is a Nike school. So what can players wear and not wear? And does that now mean that they have to exclusively use Nike gear or when they're off campus, can they use something else? Or does that mean now that Nike has to pay all the individual players? But I just think, you know, from a looking at, I guess, I don't know if niche is the right word because of the connotation that that may present, but some of the non-revenue sports, basically anything that's not football or basketball, that you're going to see those players are going to immediately benefit. Because especially in the world of lacrosse, yes, technically we do have the PLL and they're launching the uh, Athletes United, the new women's professional league, but it's still college lacrosse is the pinnacle of the sport. So those players are going to immediately become superstars overnight in terms of their earning potential. Yeah, I want to keep this conversation going. We do have to take our first time out. Give us a call if you want to check in, 315-437-7644. I agree with, with everything you're saying. I think this could be very good for Syracuse. You mentioned lacrosse. Uh, we'll talk more about that on the other side. We've got to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte Salmanin with you up until 2 o'clock. We've got Tori DeSilvia and her husband Rick Beardsley set to join us at 1.30. Tori uh, finding out earlier this week that she will be inducted into the Greater Syracuse Sports Hall of Fame this fall uh, come November 1st. 
She will be uh, officially inducted in the class of 2021, along with seven others, including Paul Pasqualoni. Uh, before we get to that, though, that's still 25 minutes or so away, we kick off hour number two by going to uh, a little th- something we call sound check. Um, yeah, and I messed up, and we give Paulie some grief for it all the time, so let me let me start with this. There you go. We've got our producer Jordan in here to, to help us out. It's time to get you what you need to hear. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I don't give a what you or anybody else thinks. Chris started out great. I mean, he's, he played great. Great. Golden delicious. That's a five-star. You know what? I'm going rogue. I'm running the board. This is my call. That open is way too long. Too long. Way too, too long. long. I didn't make it, so I have no problem cutting it short. Cut off Scott Schaefer. I'm sorry, Scott. I'm sorry. But sorry. We, got, we got sound check to get to, and I want to start with White Sox starting pitcher Lucas Giolito. Josh Donaldson, he was a thorn in Garrett Cole's side, hit a dinger off of Giolito last night, and when the Twins, Josh Donaldson, crossed home plate, said something along the lines of, hands aren't sticky anymore, not sticky anymore. The White Sox won 7-6, and Lucas Giolito waited until after the game to sound off. I saw it after the fact. I mean, he's a pest. Uh... You know, that's kind of a classless move. If you're going to talk, talk to my face. You can go, you know, cross home plate and do all that. Just come to me. Elito a little too angry? You think that's a fair criticism? Um, do I think it's a fair criticism? I, I'm always one for if you're going to insult me, say it to my, I, I am, I'm on board with the say it to my face. Don't say it behind my back. Um. You know, this is going to be something that that we're going to talk about for the rest of the season, right? At least, you know, even moving into next season. But, um, you know, if a a pitcher starts struggling, you know, you you mentioned Garrett Cole. Is it it coincidental or is it, you know, because he's been been cheating, you know? I mean, DeGrom hasn't been, you know, DeGrom hasn't skipped a beat. Um, He's that good. But when you see some of these other star pitchers struggle, is it, Again, is it a coincidence or is it because they've been, uh, you know, doctoring up the baseball a little bit? Um, Sal, what do you think about this whole thing? My favorite thing is always how baseball players get so hyped before or after the fact that they'll, you know, start talking all kinds of trash or cursing, as we just heard, Giolito, or even whatever they do kind of confront people on the field. But almost never does anything happen. Like, there's never an actual Rugnet Odor and Jose Bautista situation. It's just like, oh, man, the benches are clearing. And it's like, yep. And they're just going to stand around and puff their chest out. But nobody actually does anything. So I always chuckle whenever I see baseball players get into it because they just kind of yell and kick dirt and stomp their feet. And, oh, I'm such a tough guy. And then I'm sure the next time that they play – Somebody will throw behind someone or, you know, maybe even try to drill somebody and people are going to act like, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? What's going on here? Well, I would, so I'll, I'll say I this, just, I'll yeah. say this, Sal. Um, I, I would prefer 
you know, Lucas Giolito to to vent in the post game interview, opposed to the you know drill him in his ribs the next time. Like I, I've never quite understood that why you know why that's the unwritten baseball rule. You do something I don't like, I'm gonna you know plunk you in the ribs. I I don't know. I I think that's I think that's childish. So I, I would much prefer the call him out in the post game press conference and have some choice words for him than you know th- throw instead his of, ribs the next time. Drilling them instead of drilling them like. I grew up with Nolan Ryan. I had the poster on my wall of what he was bloodied from getting into a fight with Robin Ventura. Like, that's what I want to see is, all right, you know, Josh Donaldson, Lucas Giolito, you guys want to talk? Well, then actually go out there and do something, you know. Let them drop the gloves like they do in hockey. Yeah. Um, that seems more of a fair fight than, you know, somebody standing there ready to take a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, off the chest. Um, all right, what else you got for us, Jordan? Major League Baseball's All-Star break is slowly approaching, and former Bills center Eric Wood is really, really campaigning for a couple of guys to make the All-Star team, but it's not who you'd expect. Bills Mafia, Eric Wood checking in with you, and I have a favor to ask. We need to get big-time Bills fan Cincinnati Reds outfielder Jesse Winker into the All-Star game, as well as his teammate Nick Castellanos. And you need to do this by 4 p.m. on Thursday. That is the deadline. Go to MLB.com slash vote and put in your vote for those two and send them out to Colorado and get them the honor that they deserve and get them into the All-Star game. I appreciate you. Go Bills and go Reds. First of all, Nick Castellanos, and there's a drive right. to deep. I, I can't see his name or hear his name without thinking of that, and I think that will be for the rest of my life. <laughs> for the rest of my life. But what's up with that? Like, you can't pull Bills Mafia away from New York baseball. Sure teams. you can. Oh, I'm come on. completely fine with this. Okay. Eric Wood, born and raised in, in Cincinnati. Uh, he mentioned that those guys are Bills fans. We're I'm just going to take his word. I am Jesse I'm completely fine Buffalo. with it. Yeah, yeah. I am completely yeah, no, fine with no it. No issue at all. Yeah. My my Bills guys can can do no wrong. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. He's he's a Cincinnati guy, he's a Reds fan. He's he's promoting a couple of Bills fans. Wants to get him in the All-Star game. I'm I'm all on board with that. What else you got, Jordan? Microphone's not on. There you go. Thank you, Steve. No, no no problem. Great guy. Dick Vitale, he's doing these motivational tips, and I am not sure he understands what motivational tips are. This wasn't motivational, but I want to know if it holds true with you guys and what your pet peeves are. Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale, my motivational tip of the day. We've talked about this in the past. I'll talk about it again. Punctuality. If you give somebody your word that you're going to be there at a certain time, be there. What about the Lombardi time? Years ago, coaches, and I adjusted to it as well, had the Vince Lombardi time. I call practice 2.30. I expect the players to be in there at 2.15, working on individual parts of their game. Well, in life, learn to be punctual. Learn to be on time. That's really a valuable quality to possess. Some people just can't do it. Sticklers for timeliness, you guys. Yeah, you're next. Nice. Yeah. Was, was this intentional? Um, <laughs> I'm laughing as I'm hearing it, thinking the same thing. Well done, Jordan. I am the king of passive aggression. I'm the one that always gets trolled. It's nice that somebody else can get trolled on this show. So there you go. And full disclosure, we had a little different arrangements today. So when I actually did my job and called Sal and told him, uh, hop on a little early. He was on less than a minute after the phone call. 
So kudos to you, Sal. But are you are you a stickler for timeliness? Do you even have to ask the question? Go ahead, Sal. The, the, the floor is yours. The floor is yours. Are you a stickler for punctuality? <laughs> I would. I'm, I, you, you know the the uh, the my cousin Vinny line. I would love to hear this. I would love to hear this, Sal. Go ahead. So you, you're going to throw that line. The, one of the lines that I live my life by is John Travolta in Get Shorty when he says, when you're important enough, people wait, okay? Like, <laughs> life, life goes on, okay? I'll, I'll get there when I get there, all right? You needn't worry. Jordan, what you don't understand is this is like the bane of Steve and I's relationship, going back to like the first time we met. Steve is early for everything. I am showing up at the absolute last possible time that I can get there to still partake in whatever we have to do. Like, whatever we'd have to travel, Steve would be like, oh, we should get to the station, like, you know, 7 a.m., get on the road by 7.30. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's plan to get there at 9. It really means I'll get there at 9.30 and we can leave around 10. You hated traveling with me for the, just those reasons, the leaving the station, yes. the, even when we were like in the city we were supposed to be in, I want to get to the arena, I want to get our spot, I want to make sure we have a good setup. I was all about, you know, make, you know, what what can go wrong will go wrong. So I wanted to make sure that we were ahead of the game, we built in some time to troubleshoot if there was an issue. Um uh, but you love to fly by the seat of your pants and you love to arrive one one minute. I don't even want to say one minute early. One minute before See, you know, of all the professions you could have gotten into, like, I'm not sure this is the one for you because you are literally on multiple deadlines every day. Yes. No, you're 100% right. And anyone who knows me or has worked with me will say the same thing. Like, how does this work? How are you doing this? Because, you know, I, I can only imagine the, the heart attacks that I've given people at News Channel 9 over the years when they'd be like, hey, sports is about to start. Where's Sal? <laughs> right. Oh, I was going to say, I, 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 came to, I came to appreciate it. I never did come to appreciate it. I think I got used to it. I was, you know, Jordan was like, oh, Sal's not on yet today. I was, I was not worried in the least. I, I knew that you would be here. So um, in any event... Yes, Jordan, I'm big on punctuality. Sal, eh, he can kind of take it or leave it, but he he somehow gets if the job done. If you're important enough, people will wait. All right. Okay. All right. And now that we're done throwing shade, I got one last one. Managing director of Team USA Basketball, Jerry Colangelo. He had this to say about LeBron, and uh, it happened in 2016. It's happening again. Will LeBron play in the Olympics again? You know, father time takes its toll. And you guys know that because if you're a human being, your body is is built to to go so long, depending on what your sport is. And then it's uh, it's a downhill situation. And LeBron made choices these last couple of Olympics not to participate because he's got a lot a lot of things going on in his life. And so he put in his time. He made a contribution that is appreciated, uh, but I think his time is over. I mean, it would be tough for LeBron to play in another Olympics, I would say, but any flack for it? You guys hold it against No, him? I don't hold against him at all. I mean, if he if he never participated and, you know, has been the face of basketball for a decade and, you know, always kind of thumbed his nose at the Olympics, I think that would be one thing. He's played in the Olympics three times. 
Um, he's he's put in his time, and you know his body is getting older. He does have outside interests, um, and yeah, Space Jam. Um, you know, and he's been playing deep into postseasons as well. I mean, let's be honest. Not so much this year, but I, I don't have a problem with it at all. And I, I'm kind of—I'll be honest with you—I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the next generation of player. I know you've got you know KD playing and Dame Lillard playing. I you know I'm excited to see those two guys. But you know, a guy like Jeremy Grant—if if if all the superstars are playing, you know, Jeremy Grant—he's a hell of a player and he had a great year. He's he's not making a twelve man roster if all of the superstars are playing. So I'm looking forward to seeing the you know the Devin Booker's and the and you know the the Jeremy Grants of the world, Sal. I mean, let's be honest. I know I'm not supposed to say this because this is ESPN Radio Syracuse, but like Jeremy Grant is not a max guy. He's not an all star. He shouldn't be on this team. It's only because everybody else is pulling out. Like, let's be honest here. All right. Until if if Kate Cunningham comes and Detroit starts to turn things around and then Jeremy Grant is putting up these numbers on a team that's actually making the playoffs and maybe even winning a series. But let's stop kidding ourselves that Jeremy Grant belongs in the same conversation as Dave Lillard and Devin Booker and all the other guys who we are sending. So I have no problem with LeBron not going. He put in his time. He was part of the redeem team. He put USA basketball back where it needs to be. And as the guys from RDC world remind us, he's 36. He's 36. Still a lot of good years after you're 36. I could attest to that. Um, maybe not on the basketball court, but. <laughs> Sal, this is how I feel about your Jeremy Grant slander, by the way. That's just nonsense. There's just too much nonsense right now. Stop it. Jeremy Grant had a hell of a year, Sal. I know he was on a bad yeah, team. And how, many ga- yeah. how many games did the Pistons win? Like, come on. A lot of guys could go put up what he put up, like 18 20, was, or 10. No, 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 no. He was I think he was over 22, if I'm not mistaken. Um he he was I'm like he was right like now. top twenty-five in scoring. Twenty-two point three. All right. Twenty-two point three. Go ahead, say it. Steve was right. Go ahead. You can say it. 22 and four. Oh, well, who cares about the rebounds? 50, and he only played 54 games on a team that only won 20. Like, that's that's where I'm like, I'd look at it and go, all right, you got yourself that max deal. Like, good for you, you know, happy that you got your money, but somebody has to score the basketball when you're playing a 48 minute game. And when you're playing with the roster that the Pistons were last year, yeah, it comes down to Jeremy Grant. Look, if he's your second or third option, as we saw the last few years before he got to Detroit, he can be a valuable part of your rotation. But, like, let's not kid ourselves that Jeremy Grant is going to lead the Pistons back to the promised land. Now I'm triggered. All right, we got to take a time out here. Uh, we're going to continue the NBA talk on the other side. And again, we've got Tori DeSilvia and uh, her husband, Rick Beardsley, set to join us in about uh, 10 minutes from now. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.